Welcome to Without the Footnotes, Not Your Typical Holocaust Lecture, with me, your host, Esther Rini. On this week's episode, I'll be speaking about the genocide in Myanmar. Hi friends and welcome to season two, episode eight of Without the Footnotes, Not Your Typical Holocaust Lecture. I hope everyone is doing well and has had a great week in between last week's episode and this one. Um, I'm recording this today on International Women's Day, so the 8th of March. And before I got to recording, I was just thinking about this day and what it means. And it just got me thinking that I've got some things to say. Um, So I'm just going to use this intro just to like chat about it a little, a little bit. Um, So fresh out of the insult that I believe is Black History Month. We are now in Women's History Month. And as I said, today, as many of you are probably aware, it's International Women's Day. And don't get me wrong, I do think it's great to spend time focusing on specific issues and purely women's issues. But just like Black History Month, I take a bit of a grievance um, that we have to dedicate just one month or a specific day to issues like these because I do just think it should be a norm and like these issues should just be something that we care about and we talk about and we involve in our conversations um all the time and yeah to me shining a spotlight on just one month kind of makes it like I don't know in some way it like perpetuates the inequality of it all because it's like we hyper focus and then what do we do the rest of the year anyway should just be a norm but I guess that's just the world that we live in at the moment and I am thankful that we do have a spotlight um but I do just want to say this though and I'm going to put a trigger warning because I'm about to get deep and this is to all the men out there that enjoy a privilege that we as women just don't okay so we are killed because of you and by you We are murdered by our fathers and brothers for not living up to an expectation that is forced upon us. We do not have full control control over our reproductive rights. We are forced to have children, even if we are raped. We are sterilised. Our genitals are mutilated. We are child brides. We cannot afford sanitary products. We are denied schooling. We are not paid fairly. We are exploited for our bodies and our beauty. We are labelled failures if we do not reproduce or marry. We are expected to do it all, but also just to stay in our place. We are labelled as past it at a certain age. We are hypersexualized, but are also expected to be modest. We are gaslit for our emotions. We cannot walk alone, especially at night. And we still barely hold positions of power. And this is just scratching the surface of what it means to be a woman on this planet. And that might sound like extreme to some of you, but if we are going to have days like these, then we need to address the more more serious issues of what it means to be a woman and what it looks like and what it can feel like and what the experience is and what kind of equality we are seeking here. Um, And I just want to say that we are the source. There would be no you without us. So I don't want you to just celebrate us. I want the elevation. 
want to know what the men in my life and in our lives are doing to work towards this equality. And especially the men that I know that live in Berlin, because here we actually get a day's holiday. So today everybody is off work. And it's not just women who are off work, it's men too, or, you know, um, or people who identify as non-binary, like all of that, everybody. And I honestly think that there needs to be action. There doesn't need to just be people just acknowledging and enjoying their day off that they have. I want to know what people are doing, whether you are supporting a charity or putting your hand in your pocket to help women achieve the equality that we've been shouting that we need from the rooftops for centuries. And I want evidence, I want acknowledgement. I don't just want to be celebrated because the fact that I exist doesn't just need to be celebrated like I need I need everybody to elevate women that's what I need anyway that's what I wanted to say today and I hope and I encourage I really really do encourage everybody to really deep it like when these women's history months or black history months or whatever is happening and these issues come up like really deep it and like just and do something about it. I know a lot of people are capable. I know there can be that excuse of, oh, I don't know what to do, or I don't have the money, or, I don't have this, I don't have that. You have access to be able to do something, whether that is sending an email or buying your female friend lunch, <laughs> you know, like just to like balance out that inequality just a bit. Um, there are things that can be done. So use your imagination and yeah, like let's do this thing anyway with that being said um to all my women out there as I said before we are the source but we are also the source s-a-u-c-e so live loudly celebrate yourselves and happy international women's day Okay, so let's get cracking with this week's episode where I'm going to speak about the genocide in Myanmar and um, that has been perpetrated against the Rohingya people. So Myanmar, formerly known as Burma, is a country in Southeast Asia that is made up of over 100 different ethnic groups and has a population of around 54 million. There has been rampant ethnic tension in the country, resulting in one of the world's longest and ongoing civil wars. And the civil wars that have occurred there have have been happening in Myanmar since, you guessed it, the country gained independence from the United Kingdom in 1948. And Myanmar was under an oppressive military rule from 1962 until up until 2011 before being transferred to civilian control with the main religion being Buddhism. And the genocide in Myanmar has been committed against the Rohingya, who are a Muslim minority group. You may have seen in the news recently that there was a coup following the general election on the 1st of February where the National League League for Democracy, the NLD party, won by a landslide. And basically, the military has seized control, um, 
because they claim that the election was fraudulent and in doing so they have declared a state of emergency so as a result of this currently the largest protest since 2007 of civilians and government workers is now happening in the country in retaliation to this and also to like suppress and um, stop these protests from happening the military has imposed restrictions and curfews and tried to stop these protests basically and have been using violence against the civilian people there to try and disperse people and also um, trying to uh, suppress what is being like reported in the media and stuff like that so if you are interested in learning more about this, because this is a very recent and very current um, situation, you will find loads of news articles about this. And also um, people right now in Myanmar are trying to get the message out of what is actually happening to the civilian population there because of this coup that has happened. So what happened to the Rohingya, uh, Rohingya people? Sorry. Well, the Rohingya Muslims, as I said, are an ethnic and religious group that have historically lived in Myanmar with, and they have, within this group, there's around 1.1 million people. And they have suffered persecution at the hands of the state in 1978, when the military carried out arson, rape and killings against the Rohingya people, forcing around 200,000 of them to flee. And following on from this, years later, a law was enacted that stripped the group of their citizenship as they, as the military claimed that the Rohingya were actually Bengali. So they left the group completely stateless, like refused responsibility for them and, and stripped them of their citizenship. And on top of this, imposed restrictions on their movement, their education and their right to hold office within the country because... They don't see them as um, uh, Burmese people. So then a um, couple of decades later, in 1991, 1992, they suffered persecution at the hands of the army again, much of the same as before, forcing more people to flee to Bangladesh. However, Bangladesh then forced them to return to Myanmar, even though they were being persecuted by the military there. So basically saying this is not our problem. And just a little side note, this is called refoulement. And according to the Refugee Convention, when someone is forced to flee their country because their lives are in danger, the host country or the country that the person arrives in is not allowed to just send people back to said, said danger. The person that arrives, the refugee that arrives, has the right to protection within that country and sending them back knowing that the situation is not safe for them to return is called refoulement and it's against international law. Anyway, again in 2012, the Rohingyas were targeted when security forces destroyed a ton of villages, killing men, women and children, and then again forcing over 100,000 people to flee and leaving around 150,000 people homeless. So all in all, this group has suffered a long history of persecution because of their ethnic and religious identity in a predominantly Buddhist country, which brings us up to the 2017 genocide. So in 2017, some Rohingya militants decided to carry out an attack that resulted in military retaliation against the whole people. So within three months, close to 700,000 people fled Myanmar, making it the largest refugee movement since the Rwandan genocide. 
And they were seeking out safety once again in Bangladesh. And over the next year, around a million people would be registered as refugees there. So of the 1.1 million population, a million people have been made refugees. So this genocide was carried out by the military and they would do this by establishing bases in order to take control of an area or to ethnically cleanse an area. And by taking control, I mean they would burn the surrounded villages within proximity to these bases and basically make it so that people could not return once the area had been seized. So much like last week when we were speaking about Darfur and their scorched earth policy, this is happening in Myanmar as well. So basically making the place in uninhabitable for the Rohingya people. They also used rape and sexual violence as a weapon against women and girls. And they were also using forced pregnancies in order to extinguish the group, so to outbreed um, people. Men, women and children have been murdered. There have been massacres. There's been trafficking of people, forced labour and also um, people being forced into detainment camps. So this persecution is ongoing and the Rohingya people continue to flee Myanmar and Bangladesh um, Myanmar and Bangladesh at this time has refused to to basically take any more refugees in because they already have so many people um, yeah, fleeing into the country and all of this has been heavily underpinned by the failure of the Myanmar government to speak out against this military persecution of the Rohingya people and there is a general consensus within the country to deny the genocide is occurring so if we um if we think about genocide and how denial is actually a huge part of the genocidal process this is currently happening even though um it's quite clear that the Rohingya people are being persecuted and um, the government is basically ignoring it and not even though it's supposed what well, it was up before the coup supposed to be a democratic government um yeah they haven't spoke out properly against it and acknowledged the violence that has been occurring against the people so the international response to this has been to impose sanctions on Myanmar And the International Criminal Court, the ICC, has said that it will be investigating crimes against humanity charges that has been brought against the Tatmadaw military. Gambia and Argentina have both filed cases for the crime of genocide with the International Court of Justice. However, as it stands, at the moment, there is no way of ensuring that the remaining that the remaining Rohingya within Myanmar are receiving protection from the state. And it is estimated that around 24,000 Rohingya have been killed by the military since 2017. Now, the United Nations Human Rights Council has been on a fact-finding mission in the country. And there is a report that you can read. Um, I can put a link to it in the show notes, but there is a whole like almost 200 page report just going through everything that they found um, was going on in Myanmar, basically. And the reason why um, I think it's important to bring this up is because the government really is just ignoring the persecution that the Rohingya people have suffered and I'm going to quote this from the report Um, this is what 
Um, they're basically saying, and I quote, there is a serious risk that genocidal actions may occur or recur and that Myanmar is failing in its obligation to prevent genocide. To investigate genocide and to enact effective legislation criminalising and punishing genocide. So not only is... Not only are they focusing on the fact that the genocide is happening, but they're focusing on the fact that the government is... Um, I mean, that is quite clear, and the government is doing nothing to prevent it or even acknowledge that it is happening, um, which obviously cause, causes a serious issue for the Rohingya people because if they don't receive any acknowledgement from their government that they are being persecuted like this, then the persecutions that they've been suffering for decades can just continue on and on and on. And this is under a supposedly demographic, um, democratic government. But because the the government doesn't... The Rohingya people are just stuck in this catch-22 of... I mean, what do you do if, you're, if your government is not protecting you? I mean, it can fall back to the international community to put pressures on the Myanmar gov- government, but at the end of the day, it's up to them to condemn this violence and to stop it from happening. So they are in a really precarious situation at the moment, and especially with this military coup happening just last month, um, it definitely is something to keep an eye on and to show support for um, this specific group of people because it's a very, very precarious situation, especially if, um, yeah, especially if the United Nations is identifying that, um, basically identifying that, that they're at real risk of a genocide being perpetrated again against them. Or the fact that, I mean, you could argue that it hasn't stopped, like the, the persecution is ongoing. Now, I don't know if this situation is made even worse because the um, councillor of Myanmar, so basically the person, the state councillor, the person who is in charge, like the president, I suppose, um, Aung San Suu Kyi, has received the Nobel Peace Prize for her struggle for democracy, basically, in the country and her work for human rights. And she's basically been been praised for her courage over the last few decades and um yeah and and is like a face of democracy like within the country obviously now there has been a coup that's a whole situation going on right now but she has openly defended the country against charges of genocide so it's a very strange situation to be to have like a democratic leader who is who is not acknowledging that a group within the state is being persecuted. Um, I don't know all the ins and outs of that. And obviously it's a very, um, uh, what's the word? It's a very strange situation and the balance between um, democracy and the the military rule that has, um, that has been in, in Myanmar since it gained independence. Um, She's come under a lot of criticism for her actions or inactions in this case um, in order to protect the Rohingya people. So with that being said, that is basically the Rohingya or Myanmar genocide in a nutshell. As I said, it is ongoing. And if you can seek out how you can support um, the Rohingya people and definitely people who are um, 
very active in what is going on currently within the country and protesting and getting the word out and kind of flagging it up with the international community that they could be going down quite a horrible route again with um, yeah, military rule. So there you go. If you are interested in what I mentioned earlier, so the UN's fact-finding mission in Myanmar, there is a report that I can either email you, so like just drop me an email at info at withoutthefootnotes.org. I will also put the link, hopefully it will work because it's a PDF. Um, I'll put the link in the show notes and on Instagram for anybody who is interested. You don't have to read the whole thing, but maybe there's something inter- something in there that you're interested in in particular so for instance if I look at the contents you might be interested in what crimes against humanity have occurred or the intent of the genocide and and what that looks like or what the unlawful attacks look like um yeah there's loads of different topics that you can just go through and see if there's something that you want to read about it's probably like one to two pages on each different topic so you don't have to read the whole thing because it is 200 pages that's pretty long but that would be my recommended reading for this week so then you can kind of see like what you know in these situations what is the international community doing what is the the UN doing like what do they actually find what does it look like on the ground when these things are occurring and yeah so that's that and yeah as I said like keep an eye on the news see if there's any like groups that you can support in terms of like what's happening currently in Myanmar and as ever rate review subscribe to the podcast um email me if you have any questions or dm me on instagram at without the footnote notes and without further ado as I said earlier happy international women's day do your things show support let's see some action and yeah I will catch you next time ciao